Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. The Square Ball Podcast. The podcast is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. There is a 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello. Michael Normanton's with me. Hello. So is Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. You can get every single one of our podcasts ad-free with early access to the match ball. Plus, you get the extra ball. It's the only place to get it with our new subscription, TSB Plus. You also get a daily email and full digital subscription to the magazine so you can keep right up to date with our very latest issue, which has a cover that abuses Man United, which played to the audience a little bit, but um, it's good. I like it. Good design by Joe Gamble. I think it's the first time we've ever had swear words on the front cover, isn't it? I feel like we should have probably done it before, but we've um, we, they're definitely there this time anyway. Those swear words being Manchester, wank, wank, wank. Still the, still the three wanks, yes, which we're not going to get a chance to sing, are we, in a stadium, which is going to be disappointing because that's kind of what the, what the whole point of Man United is, isn't it? That you can say mean things about them. Get that and get all our issues at the squareball.net forward slash plus. I know there were some concerns for my welfare on Friday with how sad I was feeling post-West Ham on the match ball. I just want to reassure you both that I'm all right. I've resolved my feelings now. I'm okay. I think it's fine. We're going to be fine. It was a disappointing evening on Friday, but we'll get over it. We'll move past this, won't we? We'll get stronger together. I was not happy um, over the weekend seeing Burnley win. That was a bit of a down. And when I saw Fulham in the lead against Liverpool, part of me did. The little bit of my brain that easily goes into sort of catastrophe mode was going, oh, we're going down here. We are definitely, we're basically already down with these results the way they are, but we're not, are we? I'm glad that I'm the same as you in that regard. It's just you tend to vocalise it more. I think your catastrophe tends to make it into the public realm, whereas I just sort of quietly think about it. And that's kind of what was fueling things on Friday. I was like, oh shit, this is another defeat, another defeat. This is where it all spirals out of control. Bielsa's lost them. It's weird. they'll, They'll never remedy this. Because after the Chelsea defeat, we all basically excused it and said it was fine. And then one game later, everyone feels a bit like it's all going wrong. It's not, is it? Because Moscow, you're optimistic. You try to cling on to optimism. Perhaps a game misplaced on Friday, but I admire your consistency. Yes, Friday was a difficult conversation after the match of you saying, say something to cheer me up, and then me saying something to cheer you up, and you rejected it. Not that! Not that one! Something else! I don't know if it's blind optimism. I mean, I didn't even... I don't know what Burnley's final score was, because all I saw was Chris Wood's hilarious miss. And just kept laughing at that. And then how he turned around and tried to blame somebody. He's like, oh, you you should have shouted and then I wouldn't have headed it six yards wide. It was the classic um, palming of responsibility to somebody else, wasn't it? It's like when Rodrigo had that header and he should have scored. You didn't see him blaming anybody else, did he? He just cracked on with it. No, you heard him scream. I realised when you, um, I didn't notice it at the time, but when I watched it back later without the crowd noise on, there's a, there's a definite anguished yelp before. I think he then goes and kicks the... Uh, kicks the post as well, but the the scream is the the really noticeable part of it. And as I said, if that had gone not into the goalkeeper's hands, we draw two two, and we just come out of it going a bit lucky, but we'll have the point. My coaching manual actually, I, I think these are my notes from the game the other night in front of me. And second to last point is um, Rodrigo, don't head it there. Mm, there was quite a lot of that. Don't shoot there. Don't foul there. Just to um, and then don't head there. I just want to tap into a bit of Michael's expertise here and just find out where would you have had Rodrigo head it instead of where he did a corner, corner flag, probably a, bo- a bottom corner of the goal. Don't say corner. It's a bad word. Specify net 
rather than <laughs> okay. bringing up the, the spectre of set pieces. Just Yes, okay, just inside the post where the goalkeeper wasn't. My, my only point underneath that one, actually, because that was obviously at the end, is Snoddy Man of the Match. So I think he did well. Rodrigo wasn't great, was he? Overall, after everyone's been desperate to get him in for ages, then he played. Boo! Take him off! But Get he- someone else in! But as was pointed out by somebody on Twitter, didn't Rodrigo have a little hand in a couple of chances? And I say that without recalling what they were. I'm just assuming that that person who tweeted it was right. It's a little hand, as you're thinking of that West Ham defender with a penalty we didn't get. It was a big hand, many times over, playing basketball, basically, wasn't he? It was a tough game for Rodrigo because our midfield kind of got emptied because Ben Rama kept running to the wings and Calvin Phillips went with him. And then all those other West Ham players, they just ran into that space. And Click and Rodrigo had to run after them. So it ended up with whenever we were trying to... Well, we did keep getting the ball off them. That wasn't too difficult. But then when we turned around the other way, it was like a huge... There was about 100 miles and Bamford in the distance and nobody between him and the ball. And um, Bamford kept coming deeper because of that. And we all just kind of got sucked down to the, the Melier end of the pitch, which I don't think is where Rodrigo is going to do his best work for us. So it all... It all kind of stemmed from that, as far as I could tell. Let's pick over the bones of this a little bit then and look at that defensive lineup for a kickoff. Kind of got a bit of a championshipy vibe to it. Dallas, Aileen Cooper, and Alioski, you're back for. Was that a problem? It's also got a bit of a midfield fullback vibe to it, hasn't it? I thought Ailing actually was probably the best of the lot. He did quite well in central defence, apart from set pieces, where I don't know if he was specifically to blame for anything, but. Overall, I thought he did pretty well, and when I was, we'll get onto it in a bit. But when I was watching back some of the West Ham things, a lot of their complaints were that Halle was actually dominated by Ailing and Cooper in the air, even though he's much bigger and stronger than them. He didn't particularly trouble them during the game, so it was mainly the set pieces where we, where we suffered with it. But the the team as a whole, I don't think functioned defensively as it normally does. That striker was useless. He was shit. Yeah, I mean he's terrible. It's a classic. Spend twenty five million. 40, 40 million. How was. much? 40 million pounds for him. 40. Mm-hmm. I was putting him in the uh, the Jean Kevin class where you kind of, you buy somebody from a, a European league for a ridiculous fee because they've scored like nine in 25 and you think that's going to, oh, there'll be good output in the Premier League. Never happens. And West Ham always sign them. Um, we did it once. I, I think that's maybe why we haven't signed another striker we're just going to stick with Bamford forever because it's too frightening out there you end up with absolute uselessness if Luke Ayling was six foot four he'd be Van Dyke. so that's that's the only problem we have at, at the back what about the substitutions Harrison and Alioski yanked at half time because that left hand side was pretty ineffective wasn't it I mean we thought it was and then we saw Costa who made it worse but I think the substitutions are absolutely fine it seemed to make sense given how the first half had gone it just didn't make anything any better, which was not, I don't particularly feel inclined to blame Bielsa for that. It was just that it was one of those days where it felt like nobody played well. Costa, when you look at, when you look at his stats, at 25 touches and lost it 10 times. Jesus, that's, that's, that feels like a lot. And also gave away two free kicks, one of which led to the goal. So it felt like a day when everything went wrong for him. I don't believe he can be as bad as that on a regular basis. Costa as a footballer, he's kind of got a a sort of a vacant look about him sometimes, hasn't he? Like, he doesn't know what he's going to do or it's all just been made up on the hoof. Whereas you see Rafinha, you're contrasting with Rafinha, who looks to have purpose and focus and Costa just sort of seems like he's trundling along in the games sometimes. It maybe doesn't help when we're, we've not got a consistent lineup at the moment. It feels like Dallas changes position at least, well, every game, sometimes twice a game, three times a game, he's, he's always moving around. Maybe that isn't helping Costa and people settle into the team. I don't know. It felt like he was probably the worst of a bad bunch the other night, but we've got used to Harrison being very consistent last season as well. And in the last few games, he's definitely dropped off. So I don't know. I feel like maybe we should we should spread the blame around a little bit. Yeah, I do tend to agree that there's a certain truth in the, the idea that we've got quite a lot of square pegs in round holes. And I know Bielsa's system is kind of predicated on the player's ability to do that. But sometimes it feels like our subpar performances often come from that set of circumstance. I don't know. Do you agree that like, if we had a specialist left back in, for example, it would probably help the left-hand side to have a consistent performer in that position? I mean, I was happy enough with Dallas's left back when he was just starting games there. It felt like he was first choice. It's the fact that it chops and changes and Alioski has got certain qualities to him, but maybe he's not quite good enough to be starting games in the Premier League. 
I don't know, maybe that's harsh. It's early days for him still, isn't it? These, we're still in the opening of, of his Premier League career, maybe in, give him another year. There were times I thought he wasn't good enough for the Championship and there he was getting us right out of it. So it's the same with a lot of them in that respect, I guess, isn't it? That we we have considered some of these players to not be good enough multiple times before. People like Cooper and Harrison who have been written off and have kind of come through. So maybe it's a, a case of them just needing to adjust. I think it feels bad now because we've seen them play better already in the Premier League and it feels it does feel like a backward step in the last few weeks. It does feel like it's building up half by half as well. Alioski gets a first half and sometimes he gets a second half. Costa sometimes comes on, sometimes it's Pervader and hopefully from now on it will always be Pervader. Shackleton looked like the best right back at the club when he came on for the second half and I would fully expect if he starts against Newcastle he'll be terrible for 45 minutes and taken off and then we'll have to (laughs) shuffle around again Dallas will have to go and stop whatever he was doing in the first half and do something different in the second half and yeah the the fact that we're not sticking to the same 11 because we can't because of injuries and and the coronavirus in um, Rodrigo's case means getting up ahead of steam in the Premier League and getting some rhythm and some consistency where you can think that you are constantly always going to be better than West Ham in the next game is more difficult than it, it might be if they were just playing full nights week in, week out. I tend to agree with you to a certain extent, Michael, that they possibly just need time because we've seen it on Cooper's journey, haven't we, so far to this point where, yeah, you think, oh, come on, he needs to be replaced now, he's not up to this level, but then he steps up and he's brilliant. The problem is you've got limited time to do it in the Premier League, haven't you? You need to be good enough for your first season to make sure that you stay up and I think when you start flirting with that, that bottom quarter of the division, it gets a little bit antsy. And I think that's that's where we are right now. It's just getting a little bit nervous because we're just starting to hover around that place. We've possibly underestimated West Ham here as well because they are doing well this season. They're in the top, well, comfortably in the top half of the table and have been playing pretty well. They were unlucky to lose to Scum the week before as well. They absolutely battered them for the majority of it. And if they'd have got what they deserved out of that game, they'd be we'd be talking about a team that's fourth, which is not, in truth, where we expect it to be this year. So I'm trying to argue somehow that West Ham are the best team in the league, which I don't believe. But they maybe they are better than we give them credit for. And also the bottom quarter is probably where we were always due to be. I mean, you pointed out the, the defence being a championship defence. It absolutely is. And they're in the Premier League and they're not drastically different from when we played against so-called Premier League Arsenal in January which feels a little bit more realistic now where we're very good for quite a lot of the game, but then crucial moments, some, um, I was going to say class, but I think I just mean expense, then begins to tell. And that is a factor in it where Ayling and Cooper bossed around Alaire on Friday night, but between them, we signed those two for what? Probably just over a million pound each. Ayling seems to get cheaper and cheaper every time somebody talks about that deal from Bristol. Cooper was 600 grand, so it was about a million, so a 40th of the, the striker that they're up against. And there's players like that all over the, the Premier League. And at times, that's going to, you can't always just blame, oh, well, that player costs more and ours were cheap. But they've played all their careers at a lower level. It's December. That's right, yep. It's early yet for Liam Cooper to have mastered the Premier League. Give him to the end of next season and he'll be knocking on Steve Clark's door. So we like to indulge in propaganda in this part of the podcast where we find out what the other fans have been thinking and saying about Leeds United. Some of them in real time, which are probably the most entertaining ones we saw. The absolute. Have you seen the mania from the Arsenal fans TV when they lost to Burnley over the weekend? That was great fun. I've not seen the Arsenal fans TV. I've seen the angry boy shouting about he's sick of it and all that stuff that's, that's kind of done the rounds. He's not a fan, Arsenal fan TV man, is he? I don't know. Angry boy, no, no, I think he's, he's he's separate, isn't he? Angry boy man or whatever. Oh, it was Chelsea angry rant man, wasn't it? Yeah. I think at some point we'll all be part of Arsenal fans TV, whether we want to be or not, whether we support Arsenal or not, whether we're on the internet or not. The West Ham lot that I found, seemed they all seemed all right, to be fair. There's, um... Are they all gathered around the old Joanna? <laughs> um, Pearly Kings? I think... the way I, I imagine that they watch the game with somebody just playing a, a piano in the background. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I don't believe you're in allowed in knees up if you're in tier three, are you? Which is gonna gonna hit hard, I would think. But this seemed all right. I, the this first clip, it's it's the edited highlights of the unfolding penalty and the retaking of the penalty, and I think it does fairly accurately capture the experience of conceding a penalty and then having them retake it because your goalkeeper strayed about a millimeter off his line. When he's saying this or something in this clip, he's doing he's doing, making the very small 
thumb and finger gesture of it to, to indicate it's it's been about a centimeter, as shown by a woman many many times to you, Michael. Let's play the clip. Oh, penalty, penalty, penalty! For fuck's sake, for fuck's sake! You're kidding me already. Ah, oh. we've given away a penalty. How can we give away a penalty? Taking it again, right? Just give him the fucking goal, why don't you? Oh, it's the worst ref as well, that little chavy twat. Fuck off. That, we're talking like that. Oh, what a load of shit. Go on, they're going to fucking score. They know where they're going to miss a second penalty. No chance. They're just going to smash it down the middle. Uh, blah, blah. He's going to blast it over the bar. I hope so. No chance we get another fucking shit. It's fucking ridiculous. It's so ridiculous, this whole coming off your line... Shit. I mean, our our players supposed to, how are the goalies supposed to see like and to try and make sure that they're, they're that fucking much. You're talking like the finest of margins. Soon they'll have to be starting behind the behind Goal. the line. Fucking tw- that's pathetic. That is absolutely pathetic. Come on, West Ham. Shove it up this fucking shit ref's ass. And he wasn't off his line. Oi. <laughs> couple of things on that my thoughts on it are number one how did we get a penalty well that's because the keeper brought down the center forward that's how we got a penalty i think there's a cockney rule that in the first few minutes you're not allowed to to give a penalty or something second thought is that all these clips would sound better if book ended with the eastenders drums i was going in a a different direction you ain't my mother (laughs) yes i am Harold, <laughs> what's next? Um, this is very a very short clip. <laughs> it's um, it's just him making a noise when they almost score, but I quite enjoyed it. And we don't have the rights to play the Steptoe theme tune, so you better stop that. Fair use. Come on, Jared. Come on, Jared! Oh! And I, I did clip it up so you can hear that noise a few more times. You dirty old man. Anyone wants that as a ringtone or anything? I can I can send it across. Harold! They made some more good noises as well. Uh, you remember Melee's really good save from that the header? That also produced some good noise. Fucking hell. Malky Adam says it's not our day. Thing is, mate, it wasn't our day last week. Oh, my God. Oh, you bastard. Ha! It's not our day, is it, Malachi? It's not our bloody day. Oh, my God. What a ball in and... Someone, Babwena, was it? Gets a fucking head on it. Oh, oh it's a great save. Save. really good save. save. Strong hand. Was, <laughs> they, <laughs> was there a, a threatening letter at the start of that? Malky Adams says it's not going to be our day. Well, not if we see him first. Very harsh calling him Melier a bastard as well when he saves it. Just doing his job and doing it well. On to this one then from the West Ham fan channel. Ban Glander. You see, I, I saw this name and it made me think of Barry Glendenning, but like maybe his cousin or something. You did just call him Ban Glander, which isn't his name. He's called Ben. That's but... what I meant. Well, this is he's got a confusing name. My eyes went all over the place there looking at those vowels. Rearranged them, didn't it? It's like a shit countdown conundrum. I was trying to find clips from this game on, on YouTube. Um, the one I'd watched before this with KG, we have said on the Phil Hay Show, and his delivery is very sort of laid back. And then I went to Ben Glander from West Ham Fan Channel. And Christ, he just doesn't breathe. He, I mean, it stops after about a minute, this clip. But it goes on. The actual clip's about 20 minutes, I think. And it's just him talking breathlessly. We got another set piece. And whilst a lot of Leeds fans will probably look at this game, you know, and be like, well, West Ham only won because we've only got... We, because of set pieces. Guys, we thoroughly deserve to win this game. And that was so, so glad to see that we were thoroughly deserved to win this game. Throughout the chances that we had in open play, the chances that we had from set pieces, we thoroughly deserved to take three points away from uh, away from Ellen Road. Anyway, we get a free kick after Leeds United, you know, they gave away a needless foul. A needless foul on the edge of their box. And a fantastic delivery by Aaron Cresswell. Now, Ben Rama, who took the took the free kick, as I said, uh, that he actually went for goal, around about the same area where he did take that shot. Cresswell steps. That's a fantastic ball. And there is Angelo Ogbonna, who for me, right now, is probably right up there for, for Ham of the Year. Right up there for Ham of the Year. And it's a fantastic header. And we do win this game 2-1. We have so many chances. You know, Balbuena hits the post. 
bloody hell, Ban Glander, whatever his name is, Glenn Bander, Ban Van Morrison. He needs to breathe. He needs to exercise a bit of breath control and breathe. Do you know what it reminds me of? You know, in train spotting, where Spud goes for the job interview, is he, had, is he on speed? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he just talks nonstop. And it, well, you mentioned you mentioned speed. Actually, the, anyone seen the film where if it, the bus drops below fifty, it, <laughs> something's going to explode? Seems like someone said that to him. So you you need to keep talking the whole time. Don't even breathe. We've got your mum downstairs. You stop talking for one second, and the bubble bursts. Losers. That's what we are now. We're a bunch of losers. So said Phil Hay on the Athletic. Might not be his exact words. But he has written an article about the need for us to learn to lose because we're going to have to adjust to that in the Premier League. I'm not really a fan of the old losing. I wish we could do more winning than losing. How does that sit with you? He's always hated Leeds as Phil. I think that's that's long established. So he's just he's bubbled under for a couple of years because he's been doing quite well, but you can tell he's delighted now. A fifteen year run up to finally be able to slag Leeds off in the in the top flight. That's the thing. Yeah, and there's a best of 2020 on The Athletic. If you want to get involved with that, you can subscribe right now and get all Phil's coverage on The Athletic, plus all the football, all the sports from around the world. And the latest deal is at theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Change of tack from BL. So then he's not going to be naming his full team in public anymore. Not because he thinks it's wrong, but because it became a talking point last week. Where were these people last season? This was a, a staple of his press conference at one point which I admittedly have never quite liked. I always think it's better to leave some things a secret, but I know he doesn't see it that way. What's your favourite secret? <laughs> Can't tell you, can I? You I'll... can tell me. You just don't tell your wife. Obviously. I mean, it did become a distraction, I suppose, but I would just rather he didn't do it for not telling the opposition our team, even though you can normally guess it anyway. He doesn't change things too much, does he? That is one thing I'm finding frustrating about the Premier League experience, and we'll do what's wrong with the Premier League in a bit. But it's this um, this awakening to what Leeds have been doing for the last two years that's just come about with the Premier League media. Oh, hang on. Who are these Johnny-come-latelys? What's he doing? Naming his team? And like you say, it's been happening for two years. Bielsa was always going to struggle with the press attention in the Premier League. There's not only the, the press conference that he does that we see, but then they do another one for the overseas markets. And then there's the, the pre-match domestic and overseas, post-match domestic and overseas. And I think he's he's starting to take the attitude that if people are going to listen to what he says and talk about it, he's not going to say things. And I think he's right. Which actually is what most managers and players do with their pre- and post-match stuff. It's all sort of generic out-of-the-playbook stuff, isn't it? Whereas Bielsa's generally got something interesting to say. However, he's getting wise to how it works now. Well, I don't know if he's getting wise to it. I think he, he knows he was manager of Argentina and Chile. And I think the, the attention, particularly as um, Argentina manager, certainly took its toll on him. So he, he knows what it's all about, but maybe he's not encountered. I mean, the the naming the team thing even had Paul Dickov giving his opinion on it. And I think once you've reached the Paul Dickov level, if it's people you've not heard of from Marcelo Bielsa's point of view, you know, you don't need Paul Dickov in, he's your, watched in your brain. All of, he's watched all of Paul Dickov's games for Leeds. Don't, don't think he hasn't. Where uh, was Dickov giving this opinion? What organ was it in? I believe it was on the Sky Sports television channel it was him and Leanne Sanderson basically just saying absolutely nothing but they got paid why is he on the Sky Sports television channel what's he got to get to have an opinion about they've got uh, 24 hours to fill haven't they yeah it's, there's nobody else in the barrel that day you could probably fit Paul Dickov in a barrel he was only small <laughs> anyway Bielsa's in the top three coaches in the world and that's nice maybe you should coach us away from the relegation zone eh I mean this was the other week wasn't he we all now know he's, he's now probably one of the bottom three having lost a couple of games. I mean, he's not going to win this, you wouldn't think. But is it a public vote? I think it was a public vote to get him on the, the short list. So that's what's happened. He was on the 10 or 8 coach long list. And then just before the West Ham game, they announced it was him, Jurgen Klopp and uh, Flick of Bayern Munich, who were the final three. It's quite telling about how active our fans are online with stuff like this, that like Robbie Gotts keeps winning Man of the Match for. Where is he on loan, Lincoln? Lincoln, yeah. Yeah, the, and the then imps. Yeah, Bielsa has been shortlisted for this. I don't know if it was purely public vote, no, it was, was it? It was a it, mixture. It was only a factor, yeah. They factor in the public votes, which I think probably means that if there is a disproportionate amount for one manager, they would discard and the, re- number. the reason I mentioned our fans being prominent on social media is because uh, Digital Wilson, who runs the socials at the club, tweeted out a graphic that showed that Leeds United is the sixth most interactive club with um, via its socials. So maybe it's time now. Chelsea were, I think they were seventh. So maybe it's time now to redefine 
what the big six apparently is and start to redistribute the wealth in the game accordingly. Pull up the uh, pull up the drawbridge now. Top six, get it ironed, you know, ironed out, locked in f- for good. Give us all the money. Yeah, that's what Scum have been trying to do for ages, isn't it? They they love to report their the engagement with their tractor adverts on Facebook in their AGM, but never really mention the fact that they've spent millions and hundreds on Paul Pogba and Harry Maguire, and both of them hate every second of their lives now. Will we truly be one of the big six, though, until we have that tractor partnership? We've mocked it often on this podcast, but I want it to happen. It, what's the point in being in Yorkshire if we can't celebrate our rich agricultural history? I want the JCB one. Pat needs to be on to his distant relatives, get him to pull the, the finger out, and he'll promote it. Pat Bamford on a tractor. Well, Bamford on a Bamford, I suppose. A Jesus Christ Bamford, as they're, they're known. But returning to the, the best coach thing, uh, he's up against Jurgen Klopp. Did all right, I suppose. And Hansi Flick. Who's that guy? I mean, he's done all right. He's won one or two trophies, apparently. So what, I'm hearing. What's his, what's his club called? Um, Bayern something. Is it Le- the Leverkusen or the Munich? I can't remember which one of them. But he won the Champions League, the Bundesliga, the German Cup, the German Super Cup, and the UEFA Super Cup, apparently. I said I got bored there halfway through that list. Too much stuff. He's not got his hands on the fallen Madonna with the big boobies, though, has he? No. That is a great retro joke, by the way. It's the one thing that uh, Herflick is really hanging out for, so... I think we probably need to engage the services of Rock Nation in order to start talking to Gen Z here, Moscow, because that was firmly a Gen X joke. You may think it's uh, it's retro, but apparently um, Helga and Flick is still a, a viable cabaret double act. I suppose COVID may have kept them indoors, but they're still hawking that old show. It's on Google. You can find it out. If Google works. Go, go and Google boobies. <laughs> there will be no bad results. <laughs> we're uh, we're on telly again against Crawley on Sunday the 10th of January. Lunchtime kickoff at the People's Pension Stadium. Is that like the People's Princess? Oh, it's, I mean, knowing we're playing at the People's Pension Stadium, it's mouthwatering, isn't it? Just the, the dreams of, of always going there. Um Hey, but at least we get to see Kiko Casilla making a catastrophic error on primetime Sunday, lunchtime telly. The the whole country gets to see it. Where is this going to rank in terms of our cup upsets when we are, are beating? We're, obviously, we are a Premier League team now. I know it was bad when we lost to Histon and stuff, but we were in League One, and League One teams do get knocked out of the cup by non-league teams all the time. But I don't know, Premier League, Leeds United losing at Crawley? I will beat them. They've got Mark Wright. Which one? The guy from uh, Love Island. Yeah. What was he on Love Island? Oh, Essex. Essex, Towie, yeah, whatever. One of them, yep. So they've signed in for some reason. I don't know why. Okay. Is, is that true? That is true. I'm right. He plays in the uh, the charity match that's on at Old Trafford every year. What's it called, that thing? Soccer Aid. That's the one. Yeah. All right. Decent player. Is he going to be playing against us? I can only assume it's some PR thing. I might be wrong. Maybe he's very good. It's good to say it. It sounds like that Sun United thing where they were paying the goalkeeper to eat a pie and then he got banned for for contravening betting and advertising regulations. So hopefully maybe there's some uh, some kind of no Essex people rule that this will break. Although I suppose all of Crawley then gets ruled out, don't they? Is it in Essex? I don't know. Where's fucking down south, isn't it's it? I don't know. near Sussex. I don't know if it's actually in Sussex. Should we, should we check? We could have checked this, couldn't we? It doesn't matter. It's more fun to Google it whilst we're recording so people can see the amateurish thrown together manner of this <laughs> podcast in, in real time. It's in West Sussex. Oh, right. for fuck's sake. How can there be more than one Sussex? Wessex. Is that the same thing as West Sussex? Should be. Yeah. And then Essex, I suppose, is East Essex, is it? A very pertinent question is which tier is that going to be in when it comes to uh, to January? Does this mean that Sussex is South Ussex? Yes. And I've not, I'm not aware of there being a Nussex. <laughs> Maybe we need to speak to the Boundaries Commission about this. Get it sorted once and for all. I mentioned Rock Nation there before. We've got a partnership with Doug Out, or is it Doug Out? Is it a fella called Doug whose surname is Out? Doug Out, Doug Out. Uh, yeah, don't know what they do really. Videos and stuff, content and things. Gen Z. Yeah, I remember the Doug Out being like a champ manager website in about the year two thousand. So I guess it's that. Probably done a partnership with them. That's going to blow the minds of our younger listeners who who won't be aware that the internet's been around for over twenty years. <laughs> yep. Uh, if you want to look up. Uh, the dugout championship manager site from that I don't think it exists anymore apparently we're we're now up there with AC Milan I don't know why we've mentioned Arsenal in there but I presume alphabetical order Barcelona Bayern Munich Chelsea Juventus Liverpool Man City they all do stuff with these people 
That sounds like a good thing then. And Elliot Richardson, who is the Dugout co-founder, said, Leeds United is an iconic English club and has one of the largest fan bases in English football. He said reading from Wikipedia. Absolutely correct. It is a club that is digitally innovative. That's a mouthful. And we are looking forward to working alongside them to provide high quality, bespoke and exclusive football content. That's good. During the first season back in the top flight. So there'll be a second season according to that logic, won't there? That's good. That's locked in. That's, that is pleasing to know. Thank you, Dugout, for confirming that. I'm having a look at their website. They have um, a lot of stuff already. I can't find us. I found Derby. And oh, it's Christ. it's basically just all the sort of post-match interview videos in a list. But I suppose it's for football fans, so you can kind of scroll through it. And if you're not you know, really drawn in by um, Wayne Rooney saying that the players are smiling again, you just have to scroll a little bit and you can see what's happening for well, who takes my family? Fortuna Citard. Really, they've just thrashed Heracles. So it's good that I've got an app where I can go from Fortuna Citard's goals from November 2020 straight to, oh, Leeds, I found us. Wow. Stuart Dallas on West Ham defeat. Well, that's nice. And doesn't he look, doesn't he look sad? Like he looks like a, a sad old dog that's sort of, you're denying him a biscuit. He's tired of it. And um, a very engaging video of a Marcelo Bielsa press conference. So all those Gen Zers can tune in and look at an old man staring at a staring at a table, basically, while his uh, <laughs> while his nephew kind of tries to uh, get him to eat a Jaffa cake or something. It's just, um, <laughs> yeah, it's basically it's LUTV in somebody else's app, as far as I can tell. But yeah, I mean that's all right. Ooh, Lokomotiva Zagreb. We've lost Moscow now for the rest of this episode, haven't we? Completely. Lokomotiva Zagreb are ready for NK Ozicic. Are you ready for the Zagreb derby? Well, no, but maybe if I watch this, I will be. Feeling the hype now. Uh, from Marcelo Bielsa then to a more serious matter and another Argentinian icon who was over here, the passing of Alejandro Sabella, Alex Sabella in his anglicised form, who died only 66, man. it's uh, It's been an absolutely bloody rotten year all round, hasn't it? 27 appearances for Leeds and two goals. In a declining team, we probably didn't see the, the best of him. Arguably... Sheffield United got more out of him. He, he did a little tour of, of Yorkshire, but fondly remembered for having fantastic hair at Elland Road, looking fantastic in our Admiral kit at the time. And as the obituaries in Argentina kind of always played up, being regarded as just a good person. But, um, coming to England at the time, um, off the back of the 78 World Cup with Ozzy Ardiles and Ricky Villa, the initial excitement did kind of dissipate as the Falklands War loomed, which ended up with our dealers went on loan to Paris Saint-Germain and Ricky Villa was all over the place. Sabella left just before that, but the fact that he was um, well regarded everywhere he played and kind of overcame any sort of concerns about nationality or ability to fit in and be friendly says um, a lot about him. And that's one of the things that um, Argentinian people were um, proud of him for in the end and quite similar to Bielsa in a lot of ways it's funny that they were both one of the very few matches that Marcelo Bielsa actually played as a defender he's photographed trying to stop Alex Sabella from dribbling around him and then um, reading some of Sabella's statements in later life he was very political and very um, shared Bielsa's concern for the people in society who who have least and I was reading some of that stuff and it could almost be Bielsa speaking. It's a lot of the things that we've heard him say over the last couple of years. Um, Sabella certainly shared those views. And um, and a, a weird one, it, I'm not entirely clear because we are translating it all from Argentina and obviously the exact circumstances will be only known to his family. But he was obviously, he's not been well over the last few years. But the news of Diego Maradona dying certainly seems to have brought on the final impact of his heart condition and got him back in hospital Again, which is um, says something about his um, continued ability to be sympathetic towards other people that he would take things so hard. But I think everyone, obviously, we're all too young to have watched Sabella play for Leeds. But those twenty-seven games in a season where we finished ninth, it was just before the the relegation season. He did have the ability to to brighten things up before Alan Clark came in and said, "No, it's nil-nil draws or nothing from now on." There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. We're in that strange Christmas period now, where we have actual midweek games, which are a very rare beast in the Premier League. I kind of forgot that midweek football exists, but we have a game on Wednesday tea time against Newcastle United. Three Uniteds in a row: West Ham. Newcastle, and then on Sunday, we go to Old Trafford. United. There's only one United. Dude. I mean, I was quite happy without midweek games, to be honest. I think it it, feel, it always felt a bit too much like hard work, those midweekers. And the six o'clock on a Wednesday. I mean, what is this filth? After the West Ham game, I'm coming around to the idea of no weekend games. Either six o'clock should be, it's the Partizan Belgrade slot and should be reserved as such. <laughs> Forevermore, in perpetuity. Is this now a must-win game? It feels like it's had a lot more significance heaped upon its shoulders since we've hit this bad run of form. It isn't actually a must-win game, but I feel like for my own sanity, it might be. Because otherwise we're going to go into the weekend probably going to lose at Scum. I know Moscow's going to disagree with me, but probably going to lose at Scum and then we're into a run of four games without a win. Maybe four straight defeats and I will start panicking because teams around the bottom might start picking up all the points and then we're going to be within striking distance of that bottom three, which I don't like. This is the Premier League, though. We don't just get Rotherham at some point that we can look forward to and pin our hopes on. Oh, we'll, we'll play Donny in a couple of weeks. We'll beat them. It's not like that anymore. Newcastle, I don't think we were that far away from beating West Ham unfairly, as perhaps it, it turned out. And we didn't touch on the other part of Bielsa's press conference where he's kind of saying, look, set pieces, we've conceded a lot in the last two games, but actually they're not a big deal. There's other stuff that I'm more worried about, which maybe doesn't fill us with with all the hope I'm trying to inspire <laughs> for, for this match. But a Pervader penalty away from drawing with Chelsea, a Rodrigo header away from drawing with West Ham. Admittedly, we can't keep relying on Melier to make super saves to keep us in every match, but there's no reason why we can't beat Newcastle. I feel like a lot of these games in the middle of the, the Premier League are a bit of a flip of a coin. And we need to win more of them than we have so far. But I've not seen anything about us so far this season and even in the last couple of games that suggests we're not still capable of beating Newcastle on Wednesday and scum on Sunday, which is what we're going to do. I tend to agree with that. I think both of these games are winnable, provided we perform to our best and we get a little bit of luck. But we also make our own luck and make better decisions. And our £27 million striker puts the chance away that he gets. Performing to our best is another interesting thing that Bielsa has been talking about. He's made the point that Chelsea, in particular, raised their game against us, that their physical outputs were, so I think he said, something like 20% higher than they'd been in any other game. And that our physical outputs were actually highest than they'd been in in any of our games to match them. So that's the other thing that we we are encountering. I suppose it's the the downside of being Leeds United is that Chelsea, West Ham, Newcastle, Scum they want to beat us, and they also recognise that because we play absolutely mad football, they have to work a lot harder to do it. And it's not that we're not working hard ourselves. I think he Bielsa was saying that the West Ham game was our sort of hardest work physically since the Aston Villa one. Those are our two sort of hardest working, most physical efforts. 
matches, but in different styles because of the way that the uh, the opposition was set up, how the the physical effort that we were putting in worked or not. But I guess the point of that is that we can play our absolute best and still get beat. So I'm still optimistic. I keep trying to come up with these these reasons to be optimistic and like justify my feeling that we're going to win these games. But all the evidence I have is that we're going to get absolutely spanked all over the park. I mean, Newcastle should be rubbish. That's the thing. They are. Look at them. Look they've at got, this team. They've got a terrible owner, a bad manager, which is maybe harsh on Steve Bruce. I don't know. He's not great, though, is he? Let's no, face I mean, it. That's the, that's the criteria I look at. Can Marcelo Bielsa outcoach Steve Bruce? I hope so. They don't have many good players. And all the these players, I mean, I've not paid a lot. I, it's difficult to sort of concentrate on Newcastle because it's just like it's a massive sports direct mug. Um, that seems to be full of tears. But Carl Darlow has been there since 1992, hasn't he, surely? John Joe Shelby, I'm sure he only went there as like a stepping stone transferred back to a big club. No, still there. Um, I'm sure Carl Darlow signed a few years ago, didn't he? I don't well, think he's been there forever. Well, that's what I mean. A few years ago, players just... How long has Dwight Gale been there? Dwight Gale plays for other teams every season. And then the start of the next one, he's at Newcastle again. It's like, It's just... They seem to be in this never-ending vortex where there'll be a, a couple of players, like they've got this uh, St. Maximan player who looks legitimately very, very good. But by the time he leaves in 10 years, he'll have been ruined. I mean, the thing is, they look sort of perfectly stable in mid-table, but they're only three points ahead of us. And if we win on Wednesday, we go on to the same points as them, albeit they have played a game fewer but then it starts to make our position look all that more bit secure, doesn't it? Because when your target is mid-30s slash 40 points, three of them is a fairly big proportion of what you need to achieve over a season. You know, if we if we win on Wednesday, that would take us up to, what, 17 points, which is probably nearly halfway what you need to stay in this division. And you look below us, and, you know, Sheffield United still on one, uh, West Brom six, Fulham have got eight, Burnley nine. It, it, it maintains the gap. I think we should be aiming to finish above Newcastle this season. They, By most metrics, they're absolutely terrible. If you look at all the stats, like they've had 98, they're bottom of shots this season. Admittedly, played one game one game less, but the, the 19th for passes, they basically don't do anything, but they sometimes win games. It's really odd. I've, seen, I've heard other people discussing how they're essentially winning games by just boring teams to death until about the 80th minute when they can go and grab a goal, which is probably what they'll do to us. And some, well, it sometimes works, sometimes doesn't, and that's why they're in mid-table. It just it feels like we need a win and we're overdue a win as well. And we should go into this game with confidence, I think. I know we're on a bit of a low ebb at the minute because of several defeats and all that, but it's winnable because they're not great and we've got the ability to beat them. Whether we do or not is a different matter, but you know. That was another interesting detail from Bielsa's press conference for this one, considering they were dragging every word out of him because he hates a, med- a midweek uh, match preview press conference. He was actually quite insightful when he said um, that our form means we are in a, a negative cycle. But he said that's the same for half of the division. And Newcastle, I mean, it's been a 10-year negative cycle, really, hasn't it? So even, I mean, they had that one season when they got promoted, but that was cheating. So the, I, I assume they also disregard it and didn't enjoy a second of it. The whole nature of, of the division, the fact that there are teams still, there's four of them with single-digit points, and Manchester City are ninth and Southampton are fourth, suggests... I don't think we need to um, worry too much about being 14th rather than 10th. It's still very strange. I mean, looking at Newcastle's characteristics from who scored, internet charlatans who scored.com, their only strength appears to be shooting from direct free kicks, a uh, few weaknesses, which is keeping possession, defending counter-attacks and defending against long shots. So um, counter-attack them, shoot from distance and take the ball off them. And why Gale isn't tall, is he? No. He's, no. he's there dangerous striker and he came on well score, I mean, you, didn't you, he? you say that but you know Callum Wilson's got seven goals here I mean part of the problem with those for set pieces you don't necessarily need to be tall if no one's marking you well we are marking them just, just, just not well not just very not doing closely a good job of it but it's it's easier if they're short so I'll take that and um yeah we'll beat these and Lascelles in their defense obviously as as part of the um the family that owns Howard House will be uh <laughs> That's, that is a niche joke. His relative, the, uh, the, I'm, I'm president, the president of Leeds United Football Club. He'll, um, Junior Lewis at left back for them as well. That's, he's surely not going to put too much effort in. And Carl Darlow, 
I know I come back to him, but I always think he's a Coronation Street character. So I don't know why he's keeping goal for Newcastle. Well, he's also their top-rated player. I mean, let's mm. move on to um, well, just before... Scum in a second. But I was going to say, what what do you reckon for this one then? Win win for the Whites. It's time we got back on form. Got another win on the board, yeah? I mean, their right winger, Hendrick, is just soaked in gin. So as long as um, if he makes it to the pitch sober, that'll be a start. You wanted a prediction? Yeah. Do, do we win this one? I feel like we, yeah, come on. It's time to get back on the horse, isn't it? Let's do it. I've, I've been predicting wins recently, so um, no, we're going to lose. Okay. Is that a reverse psychology thing? State of mind sort of thing. Okay, fine, Moscow. I think we will win and Joe Linton's name will once and for all be broken into two like it should be. On to the televised game on Sunday. Should have been played on Christmas Eve, this one, shouldn't it? Manchester United, who they're... they're weirdly vexing aren't they I mean they've got some really talented players undoubtedly some talented players in like you know Rashford and Fernandez is very very good but as a unit they can be got at I'm not suggesting we will get at them but if we are at our best on Sunday we could cause them problems we could I, I put their game on the other night because I was wanting to see them lose and then they pulled it back to 3-2 and the little bit of me went oh they're going to win this now because it's scum but then they didn't and maybe that's just about where scum are now they're not actually the team that will do that anymore they do still come back and win games but they're even when they do it doesn't win them anything it just gets them to be fifth they're above manchester city how is this happening like they look like the most miserable club ever whenever they cut to ollie solskjaer just watching them conceding goals it's his favorite team and he he must hate every second of being in charge of them and yet above pep guardiola it's really weird the premier league i'm just looking up and down the table there's a lot of teams got a lot of points at the top end and then there's that sort of cluster of teams that are just sort of sitting below us that have, have got basically no points. It, there's a lot going on at the top end there because the gap from Spurs, who are top on 25 points, down to Man United, who are eighth, is just five points. Man United on 20, Spurs on 25 and Man United have got a game in hand. How they Inexplicably, how have they managed to amass six wins, two draws and only three defeats? Because they're not good, are they? And they seem to be perpetually in crisis. It's weird. They seem to get a lot of penalties still and Fernandez scores goals and that seems to be more or less their plan. They're basically terrible for most of their games but then occasionally they still win some because they've got some good players. I've not seen them play well for a long time. I think that's the thing is even though the difference between them and Chelsea is that their players are really, really good and seem arsed. Whereas whenever I watch this, I mean Paul Pogba is one of the world's greatest players but you're right, I don't, I don't remember the last time you saw him linking up with Fernandez and thought, oh, well, there's a couple of players that's going to absolutely tear up this, this league. It feels like if a, if a pass goes from one Man United player to another, you think, okay, now that was lucky. <laughs> David De Gea is, you know, is completely, he's basically finished. Luke Shaw spends most of every game just with a recurring injury. Lindelof is Pontus Janssen's understudy for Sweden. Harry Maguire is a joke. Scott McTominay, I mean, I can't believe they're actually still picking him. He's just, he's the new, if anybody remembers Scott Gemmell, he's very reminiscent of him who um, scored against Scum, I believe, in the, the, the year we won the league, but then uh, faded out of the picture of Nottingham Forest, I think like one, two million pound move and then everyone realised he was shit. Marcus Rashford obviously is a, is a fine human, so needs to leave and the rest of them, they're just kind of blend into one that Cavani isn't on this this team sheet that we're we're looking at but he's there and he's scored a goal so I assume he'll stop he's done his bit just looking down Man United's results for uh for this season West Ham away uh Southampton away West Brom they beat Everton away Newcastle away and they beat Brighton so it's not like they've been tearing it up against the top teams like Leeds United I mean they they got thumped by Spurs they lost to Arsenal as well, didn't they? So a team like us is going to absolutely demolish them, aren't we? They do seem slow to start in games, which might help us. And they, all, they look knackered as well late on quite often. So that is the hope for us, that we can just go out there and, and blow them away early on. But I am still worried and I don't think we'll lose. Sorry. Thankfully, they've got a tough test midweek on Thursday. So we've got an extra 24 hours of rest time. They are playing at Bramall Lane against Sheffield United at 8 o'clock on Thursday evening. Scum in some sort of parallel league where they only have to play the really shit teams and we're playing the good ones. Because that's what I'm taking from the, the list you, you read out there. I know you mentioned Southampton who are winning the league, but I don't see why they, they should be allowed to play Sheffield United this week and we have to play well, Newcastle aren't much better. Well, either way, so you're fearing a defeat, Michael. What about you, Moscow? 
We beat them. Look at them. They're absolute garbage. Well, I'll tell you what, two wins this week heading into Christmas would put a, a vastly different spin on things, wouldn't it? Four, then, po- I think four points would look good. And who do we play after that? Burnley. Easy. Set-piece specialists, Burnley. We have nothing to fear from them. What's wrong with the Premier League? Well, bloody everything really, isn't it? We're here back to sort it out. Even though we're probably underperforming, lower our stature demands it. We, we now know we're big six again. We're here to fix the whole shit show. What's wrong with the Premier League this week? What's going on with it? Well, it's meant to be a, the best league in the world, isn't it? Which is because of the pace of the play, the attacking football, and set pieces aren't part of that, if you ask me. Get rid. I'm not saying this because we're terrible at them. It's just trying to help the league as a whole. And I, I'm i going to think this at least until we sign some very tall players. that we Just do away with them. Mm. Five-a-side rules, head high, no set pieces, walls around the pitch maybe, so it bounces back in. Well, we could do it like they did at school to really iron this particular problem out. Do you remember when you were at school and you play football, like maybe it was raining outside, so you'd do it in the sports hall or whatever, or uh, in the in the way of the, the assembly in the main hall, and they'd turn benches onto their side. And a bench is exactly the same height as a football. And if it went over the bench, that was it. It was out. Done. So you can only kick it off the benches. So I'm proposing we install school benches all the way around the touchlines in Premier League Stadia. There has been a movement in recent years to try and abolish throw-ins. You should have kick-ins or something as well. I think that would arguably, I mean, that would make our lives much worse if people were able to take basically take corners from anywhere down either either touchline. But maybe the rule change is we need to go the other way to abolish corners and replace them with throw-ins. Maybe you can have a throw-in on the uh, the goal line wherever they, they go off so you can have one into the six-yard box. <laughs> Imagine. It would be, Jesus. It'd be a, a chaotic new thing. <laughs> or do it like uh, hockey. Would short corners be easier to defend and you have to use a stick. Yeah, interesting. I'd like to see how good... Does the stick just sit at the side of the pitch for whoever needs it? Or do, yeah. do, does play, do players have their own sticks? I mean, there are uh, licensing opportunities for merchandise, aren't you? If you go and buy, you know, Fred's stick, that he get one like him. But it would be, you know, let's see how good these so-called Premier League footballers are when they're asked to take a corner with a stick. And if we do implement the school rules as well, if you forget your kit or maybe there's a clash, then you've got to do it in your pants. Seems fair enough. I think as well, we've not covered the fact that this is a health issue because there's been a lot of research done now to suggest that head injuries are a, are a big thing, that heading a football itself is bad for you. So we're cutting that out. So we're saving people. I'm still trying to work out how players in their pants is going to make defending corners easier. Distraction. Get them in the pants and grease them up. You're thinking about Rodrigo de Paul again, aren't you? So what? Christmas just around the corner, but after Christmas is out of the way, it's New Year. Uh, New Year, new you, and maybe a new house. If you are planning to move, get in touch with Levi solicitors who can sort out your residential conveyancing, which is necessary. They also uh, do stuff around new build residential properties as well. There is a 10% discount for going through us. I'll give you the um, the URL in just a second. But just to say, Levi's 85 years old, so they've got lots of legal excellence behind them, and they are a Leeds company you can trust, big Leeds fans as well. Completely transparent with their fees. You always know what you're paying. So if you are planning to get on the uh, the house-moving train in 2021, get your conveyancing done through Levi Solicitors. Head to levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Heroes and villains then, good and bad, people who've done things right and wrong by us across the last seven days. The first up is the Ken Bates Villainy Award. Nominations, please, gentlemen. Our terrible players. Is that all of them or just select few? Or, or Let's say all of them. Uh, our terrible manager. Yep. And our terrible owner who needs to spend more money. Okay. Let's get those three out of the way, first of all. So let's, let's run through these grievances. What's wrong with our terrible players? Not good enough, not any of them. All rubbish. You saw them the other week night, didn't you? I believe I did, yeah. I didn't enjoy that. Useless. Get rid. Get Barry Douglas back. Get Eddie Gray in. Play Joe Barry Gell. Douglas. Uh, Barry Douglas. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Well, our terrible manager doesn't know the English game, does he? As, nope. is, as has been proven. Correct. So uh, Doesn't speak the Queens that we know of. Gazes at his shoes. Have you ever heard Chris Wilder naming his team before a match? No. Uh, he clearly does know the English game, does Chris Wilder, doesn't he? He knows it well. He knows all levels, which is why he's striving to play at some more... I mean, as Matt Law from the, uh, well, one of the shit papers, um, rightly pointed out, it's such a shame that he wasn't allowed to be nominated for the FIFA Men's Coach of the Year in 2020. Otherwise, I think he would have obviously uh, beaten that. What was he called? Hansi Flick, were you saying? Yeah, with, the, with all these cups. 
all these pots that he's won going on about it. I mean, that, that mid-table Premier League finish and uh, propping up the whole division by getting one point so far in the season does deserve recognition, clearly outperforming uh, what Marcelo Bielsa has done over the last 12 months. Correct. Uh, the terrible owner, Bates, are we getting Bates back? I think so. I think so. The empty stadiums has made me miss Ken Bates. When you see Ellen Road <laughs> with lacking atmosphere on telly, you think, yes. Yeah, two, what, two what thousand days. Or well, if we do move into tier two across the next next couple of days, we will get that sort of authentic uh, uh, Bates atmosphere back in Ellen Road, won't we? When there's a handful of people who are in there. If you are one of the people who is fortunate enough to get back in, please can we have an airing of um, Leeds United Calypso Bates out? Uh, who else? Then now we've dealt with our club, our awful, dreadful club. Mark Wright. Uh, are you on about the Towie one? Yeah, uh, I used to work at ITV in a previous life, and. He was somehow, I think because he'd agreed to do stuff, he just fucking popped up everywhere and I grew to hate the sight of the man. And I thought in leaving that job, I'd never have to see him again. And now here he is in Leeds United's universe. Get out of it. Get back to doing whatever it is you do. I'm not entirely sure what it is. Some sort of presenting stuff. He's on the evening show on Heart, the radio network. Yeah, I don't have to listen to that. I have to see Leeds things. Get out of it. We also nominate Mark Wright, formerly of Liverpool and Chester City for the state. He left a fine football club in at Chester. I was just uh, having a look at some of the um, the accusations levelled against him. The statement from Chester City said uh, Wright had been given the benefit of the doubt after denying having a relationship with the fiancé of Chester player Wayne Hatswell. Hatswell was then granted a transfer request to Kidderminster Harriers and Wright continued to deny any relationship with Hatswell's former girlfriend until they were seen together on a trip to Dubai. I mean, that's not good. That's that's more like a Towie plotline than anything else. So maybe they're the same person? It's possible. But how is Mark Wright getting any women attracted to him anyway? I mean, he was he was ugly as a young man. So as a manager, and he, he must have been about 50, surely, when he was at Chester. Mm. Who else? I'm getting in there now. He's not done anything directly to wind me up yet, but I have seen him play football before, and Bruno Fernandes is a dreadful cheat. So he's going to do some diving, and it's going to upset us. A preemptive strike. He's got the same face as Jack Grealish and Cristiano Ronaldo and these players who go down easily that he's he's got that I can't believe this is happening to me face when the slightest contact goes on him. So I'm just getting that in there now. Um, I hate him already. I just want to get a, kind of ahead of the game on it. You mentioned Grealish. Do we want to uh, nominate him for his indiscretions? Yes, we do. Um, you mentioned uh, an awful cheat. How about an awful driver? Aston Villa captain Jack Grealish banned from driving for nine months and fined £82,499. So we get change from 82500 after admitting two charges of careless driving, including one offence in connection with a crash during March's coronavirus lockdown. Not everybody seems to think that's bad. Um, one of the, the first reply on the PA Sports tweet about it, somebody saying, how can they justify that fine if that was an ordinary member of the public and not a footballer, it would be a £500 fine, which is a rare instance from an Aston Villa supporter, obviously, of uh, saying... Does, does he know that they, they do it according to your income, and that's why they work it out? Well, yes. I mean, it's rare that somebody should say footballers earn so much money, they should be fined less. But there you go. But they're, they're a weird breed when it comes to Greek. Oh, did, did you see the... There's a brilliant clip uh, that you may see doing the rounds on socials of him arriving at the court today. And somebody pulled his car up to the front of the court, so all the photographers like gathered round the, the obviously the black Range Rover. When actually Grealish arrived from the other direction on foot and tried to sneak in behind the photographers, but it didn't quite work. So what they all did was clock that he was there and turn round. Nice, nice, simple move, but it, it worked. A I treat. mean, if Villa fans are concerned about him having to pay such a large fine, they they could also get in touch with him to mention that taxes for a man on his income not that much. In fact, eighty two thousand pounds, he could, he could have a driver full time there to drive him around in whatever state he happens to be in. I mean, do we want to nominate this one? Because he's just been chirping off again. And th- there was one wild accusation via Twitter of us becoming quote-unquote obsessed by Lampard. But he's just such a twat, isn't he? But do you remember when we were about to play them and he said that fans shouldn't be allowed in because it wouldn't be fair? Do you remember when he said that? No, I remember Bielsa saying that. Yeah, Frank Lampard didn't say that, did he? He said it was fine. Uh, but now London is going to be locked down. It's not fine anymore. It's not fair, actually. I remember him saying at the end of the game against us that he hoped all the fans had enjoyed it and would go home and he was going to have a small glass of wine and then he'd go, <laughs> maybe a large glass of wine. And that it was a great thing that they'd all had a nice night out together. Yeah. It's like most things in, in the world. If, if it's happening to Frank Lampard, 
it's a real concern to Frank Lampard. If it's not happening to him, ah, never mind, eh? Can't you all just deal with it? I'm sure he didn't mean anything by it. It's probably just an off-the-cuff remark, but it's it's that entitlement that's underneath it that it all just points towards. It's his view on everything. When I think when, I'm sure when he was asked about about black managers not getting the interviews, he sort of said, that's not really a problem. No, it's not really a problem for you, Frank. He said, that's a different thing from it not being a problem. He won't have known that people couldn't go to football matches in Leeds because I don't think he really understands what the concept of a, a Leeds. The North. Mm, irrelevant to him. Just like, well, if they're in here, they're in everywhere. Oh, you mean they're not? Well, what's that about? <laughs> don't make any sense. Who's having a preemptive Bruno Fernandes? He hasn't actually crossed us yet. He's gonna. You mark my words, this will prove to be a, a correct decision. We can't give it to Grealish because that would set off the Villa lot. We can't give it to Lampard because that would set off the Chelsea lot. Scum, let's do it. Fernandez will nominate and award their one good player as a villain. Nothing can possibly go wrong. Right, the Andy Hughes Hero Award time now then. People have done some good stuff. Go for it. We do have one good team, at least. Our under-23s. They won. That was good. Is it time? All I'm saying is, who won a game this week? Who lost a game this week? Switch them. All those people saying that Tyler Roberts was not effective enough when he came on as a substitute against West Ham. Quite clearly, he needed to play more. Do you know what? I've just realised we completely failed to mention how bad Tyler Roberts was because I've forgotten he was on the pitch. I even went to the... I actually did the maths there on because you've got the... Um, how many touches he had. He had... I think he was taking a touch every couple of minutes. Pat Bamford had a touch every three. So, not as bad as your so-called statistics made him seem. And your agenda. You hate him. I've that's, that's, used used your own arguments against you to point out he was actually not terrible. He was two thirds. It was only two thirds as terrible as Bamford. He was just pretty bad. <laughs> no, well, uh, I like him again now because he's on the, the under twenty three. It's it's time to play them all in, and we know, as you mentioned before, they're in the um, the Ken Bates Villainy Award. Who needs to be put in charge of those youngsters? Eddie Gray, or potentially we could get Paul Hart back out of retirement because that was team. that was the other name that was always thrown around when this idea was was in the air. So we're putting Eddie in charge, we're playing the kids and Premier League survival will be secured soon. I mean, the under-23s did win that game with a very dubious penalty. I don't know if anyone saw it. I think someone was half fouled about a yard outside the box and the ref gave it, but roughly the smooth. No VAR in that league, which is better as well, actually. In fact, let's just watch that. Put that on at Ellen Road and make the first team play at Thorpe Arch. Other nominations. Our women's team also won. Uh, won a cracking game as well. They were one four three. They were behind three times in that. Entertaining. Winning, much better. And they haven't been allowed to train for six weeks as well. So maybe that's another argument against Marcelo Bielsa's coaching. He's He's been making them practice. <laughs> Whereas if you just don't bother, it's fine. Are you suggesting they've not been looking after themselves? Well, they've been Flora Snelson interviewed. I can't remember which. I think it was one of the players, it was a midfielder, about what they've been doing during lockdown. And they did have the, the Strava apps to track the running and all that kind of stuff. But no, actually getting, getting together and kicking a ball to each other which um, fitness in the first team, not a problem, and apparently not in the women's team either. Where the women have got an advantage is they're not practising kicking the ball to each other, but can still do it. The men have been working on it day in, day out, and they're just getting worse. <laughs> Regressing, if anything. So we're going with the argument of playing the women instead of the, uh, the men's team then. Put Eddie Gray in charge, get the women in. Women and children. Women and children first, which is exactly like it was on the Titanic, which is quite apt. I feel like Lucy Ward could be the, the women's Eddie Gray. Put Lucy Ward in charge and play the women. Good. Fixed it then. Right. Is that everybody who you're nominating for heroes? It's not been a good week, has it? Not really, no. <laughs> what about who's the referee on Sunday? We don't need to know, really. But whoever is the referee on Sunday against Scum for giving us a penalty for sending off Bruno Fernandes? It's a mank, isn't Mostly. it, who's in charge? Or they're giving it to the, the one who did the derby. Because I listened to um, the, the derby, the Manchester derby, obviously. I'm not suddenly referring to that as, oh, it's the derby. It's the most <laughs> important game ever. Um, but the only interesting thing of that was listening to how long Martin Tyler could string out the fact that, well, he's he's from Manchester, but he's never never made a claim for either team. And so he's allowed to play as in Gary Neville saying, is he, is he all right? That's when I decided to dip back into football over the weekend after my sulk on Friday. It was a dreadful game as well, wasn't it? Awful, awful. But at least we will uh, we'll give them a hiding on national TV on Sunday and uh, remedy the situation for Sky. And if not, I'm just going to 
not go on the computer for a while. Just let it all wash away for a little while. Thankfully, we don't have to actually see any scum fans because of, of lockdown. It'd be worse when you had to work in an office with them and go to school with them and stuff, wasn't oh, it? That was awful. That was dreadful. That's why I think I used to get anxiety about these games at school because even though it was Wakefield, there was always a few, weren't there? Just, you're never, never more than six feet from one. And thankfully, you don't hang around the schools anymore, which is good. Uh, so, yeah, well done, the ref, for giving us whatever you give us on Sunday and don't give them and whoever you send off. Uh, who is the hero of the week? That ref? Well, not yet. He could be next week's. Just want to preemptively nominate him just as a kind of a. So he'll obviously listen to this. So he just knows yeah. what he has to do. All right. We're in his head. Tyler Roberts, then. Sure, you don't want to give it to the under 23s? Or Eddie Gray. Hey, Tyler Roberts, as representative of the under 23s and our shining hope for the future. Okay. <laughs> I like him. I think he'll come good. He's going to, when he's um, 30 and he's lifting the Ballon d'Or for us, nobody will, nobody will remember this. This tawdry substitute appearance. Well done, Tyler. Um, that wraps it up then for this week. TSB Plus is where you will get all our podcasts ad-free. If you want to subscribe to that, have a look at the squareball.net forward slash plus. Loads more on there. The extra ball, full digital access to the magazine and a daily email written by Moscow, which is above average most days. Some days. Thanks for listening to this one. We'll catch you next time. The Squareball Podcast. 